When we envisage a world of private detectives, the Philip Marlowe, Sam Spade, gumshoe private eye that we see in film noir is never far from our minds. Better still, when we imagine close protection or bodyguard work, we always think of the late Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner in the film The Bodyguard. But what is it really like? Is it all Magnum P.I. with Tom Selleck? Or for our British listeners, Eddie Shoestring, remember him? Played by Trevor Eve? Well, our next guest will shed more than a dimly lit torch on the subject right after the intro. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week, we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favorite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Cashflow Show with our guest, Mr. Richard Thomas of Thomas York Investigations. Richard, welcome to the Cashflow Show. Thank you very much, Clayton. Nice to be here. Excellent. Thank you. After that hyped up intro, I'm going to start with a question that I get asked at every networking event I go to. How did you get into this? How did I get to be a private investigator? Well, that's an interesting one. I get asked that a lot as well. Um, Yes, my most common question. Well, going back from that, uh, my previous life uh, was a close protection bodyguard to a billionaire. Um, I spent 10 years on a protection team um, and prior to that I did a lot of embassy work um, when I first started in the protection world for a year prior to doing that 10-year stint. Um, I finished the 10-year stint um, as a club protection bodyguard. I was also a counter-surveillance specialist within that role. So what's counter-surveillance? Because there are a lot of people who hear these words and they just hear them from TV and they just don't understand. Yeah, good what point, good point. Yes, I guess the same question again. Um, yes, so you think about surveillance, it's the art of following, recording, um, and gathering intelligence, information, evidence, etc. And counter surveillance, you're countering that threat. So you're watching for watchers, basically. You're looking for people uh, watching the principal or a VIP. Okay. Um, normally, before a hit, there's always an element of surveillance. Um, and they gather intelligence, they gather routines, they find weak spots, and they hit. So counter surveillance is effectively countering that threat. So I'd be out there watching for watchers and make sure there's no one got surveillance on a subject or place. Excellent. Okay, that make, that clears that up. As I said, there are a lot of people who hear these terms and effectively you just hear them from TV programs and films, uh, videos, etc., etc. So for, for you to know what it means and for you to explain that, at least that helps a lot of our listeners take that on board. Absolutely, right. yes. Um, and going on from the, the, the question going oh. on, uh, being a counter surveillance specialist gave me a lot of uh, experience as a surveillance specialist in general. And, and I took that skill on after a small break and started my own private investigation business. As a lot of work I do is uh, surveillance. Okay, so we're going to go into that. And one of the first things I wanted to ask is that you know, you've taken the skills and the experience that you've had in counter surveillance and surveillance and close protection work. Is this your first business? This is effectively my very first major 
business, yes. Okay. As such, yes. Okay. Yes. Is there anything else that you would have done if it hadn't been for this? Or do you think that the, the die was cast and you were, you, you were going to be doing this anyway? The answer to that is I've been chasing excitement all my life. And I continue to chase that excitement. I'm 44 now, uh, in 2019. So I couldn't imagine a life without chasing that excitement. I couldn't be sitting in an office. I'm not old enough yet to sit in an office and relax and sit back and let people do work for me. Um, so as far as a true answer to that question, um, I really honestly don't know what else I'd be doing. I've kind of rolled and fallen in and been molded and pushed, not pushed, but fallen quite nicely into my path. And it's brought me here where I am today. And I'm very happy where I am now. So I wouldn't really change it. I've done lots of exciting jobs going back um, and things, but um, yeah, I'm really, really pleased where I am now doing this. It's exciting and it will continue to be exciting. I, th I think, is it also exciting the fact that you, like a lot of people who set up yourselves to be entrepreneurs, are in love with the idea of controlling your own destiny? Does Absolutely, that yes. That, that was a major thing why I, when I was a bodyguard to the billionaire, 10 years takes its toll. I sold my soul to this uh, person. Um, if this person was in London for six weeks on uh, straight on a visit, I'll be there six weeks straight. It takes its toll. I had no control as such over that. So yes, that was a, one of the major reasons that I started my own business and took the big plunge, um, controlling my own destiny. So, and, and my time as such, you know. In terms of close protection, because people don't really use the word bodyguard anymore. Um, it, um, close protection is the, um, I wouldn't say politically correct, but it's the it's the newfangled term for that. And you see, I've seen a couple of people who have been up on LinkedIn who say that they offer those close protection services. Is there a particular route that you go through in order to become that? Is you Or do you just wake up and say, yeah, I've got some muscle. I've, I've worked at the gym. I'm, I'm um, ready. I, I actually don't think it's with muscle people look at people and judge which is a natural human instinct people look at me i'm not the average bodyguard i'm not six foot six in the same wide i learned krav maga which is a the martial art combat which is really special forces are trained on i felt as though i needed some specialist training alongside my close protection course but the the path to that is you you, you do a course effectively through the SIA. Um, uh, which, and what's that? The SIA. The, the SIA is the Security Industry Authority. It's a reg government regulation for that industry, so the whole security industry. Okay. That's the path I chose. I chose when I chose. I, I'll tell you my path from the from the beginning of security. I started off at the bottom, uh, working at the Grover House Hotel on Park Lane. Okay. I was a security supervisor there. Um, for all the events, um, not that, not for the actual hotel and guest side, but for the event section. Um, and they do big, big events there, like the Mercury Music Awards, um, uh, evenings with Freddie Flintoff, for example. Okay. There are lots of right. celebrities coming and going. They've got the Great Room, which is underground there. It's 2,000 seated capacity, so it shows you the volume of people that can be in there. Um, and I started off there, and the bodyguards used to come in with the celebrities and they used to say, why don't you go and get your bodyguard license? You know, it might give you some more avenues to, to, to look at. And I, I did, I just went off and got my bodyguard license. I did my martial arts combat training and I was lucky enough to progress. And I was lucky enough to get interviews and get on teams and get into the, the that 10 year stint with the, the lady I was looking after for, for that time. But there's no, the only thing you need officially is a license, is a close protection license. And you can say you're a, 
Hope Protection Operative or Bodyguard, however you want to say it. So that's the only remit, and you need a first aid certificate as well to apply for that licence, but that's the only remit to say that you are a Close Protection Operative or Bodyguard. It's, it's very interesting because I suppose to a certain extent, people usually offer their services as you imagine in uh, in usually what was it in some sort of uh and i do usually use the american um aspect of private investigations or close protection work you know i you know i work for 200 dollars a day plus expenses and you know and it's usually something like that but what i'm fascinated about is that setting up shop and effectively saying right i'm richard thomas thomas york investigations how did that come about because there's there must have been a leap from just saying right, I'm going to get these certificates, I'm going to get this training, to then actually saying, right, this is becoming a fully-fledged business. How did you manage to make that leap so it would form into a clear business as it is now? Yeah, that's not easy. It's not an easy decision um, to take any scale. I was self-employed for many years. I was self-employed right through my close protection time uh, for the 10, 11, 12 years of the total time I did it. When you start a limited company, I think the pressure's on a little bit more, and I think it's a big jump in the fact that this is a company this is me behind it and the pressure to make it work and the pressure to be a success it's quite a daunting task it's it's a difficult leap to make no matter how experienced you are it's a daunting task without without a doubt but I I, I took the plunge I thought I was experienced enough um, I had a right path um, I had a path pretty much planned out into the private investigation world I did lots of investigation work on that I knew where I was going with it um, so yes it's it's it, but it's a, it's a difficult leap without a doubt you now have the idea that you're going to take that leap how do you get clients you know you don't put an ad in the standard that says <laughs> <laughs> private detective <No>. for hire <laughs> No, like the old, yeah, Magnum days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's quite difficult. I do a lot of networking. You know, you sort of see what works, you see what doesn't. When you first start out, it's the most difficult time. You know, you do courses, you do training, you, you, uh, you know, the, the, the marketing's massive. Marketing's massive for any business. Of you know, course. It's so important that, you know, you need clients and you think marketing is the answer. Where it's worked for me, me as a person, I'm a people person. I've done a lot of networking over the recent times to promote my business and that's what's really worked for me it's about me being in front of a person building relationships up and that's what's really worked for me people can get to know me as a person who I really am the true me and then that's where the referrals start coming in and people come back and also the quality of my work as well contributes towards that I've been given a chance by one or two solicitors where I've actually done other work for other companies and the solicitors have called me and said, God, that was a really good job, Richard. You know, you may be really useful to us. Do we mind if we pass you some work? And it's absolutely, you know, and I've been put on trial a little bit. I've proved myself um, through certain companies. I've done a good job. Um, I'm pretty tight with my paperwork, which is really important to what I do. I did a lot, a lot of court documentation. So I've kind of proved myself in that way. And with the, along with the networking and me being who I am, I don't really need to sell. No. Myself sells myself, if you know what I mean. Of course. In person. Um, and I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make. I think, I suppose if you're a marketeer and you're listening to this, you're probably going to have a completely different outlook. But I think that marketing really just helps to underline what's already there. I think you can sell rubbish, if you like, for want of a better expression, by marketing it. Gerald Ratner once said that about his jewellery and uh, unfortunately crashed his business. So that was slightly disingenuous of him. But the reality of this situation is, is that if you do good work, people do notice. 
And it's amazing how many people observe and watch what you do in business and become aware of it. And the fact is, I think most people involved in investigations, close protection, they don't go to networking meetings. Correct. I, I learned yeah. that from when I was, I'm doing my late payment debt recovery type work. Most, when, when I go somewhere, somebody says, oh, I've never met somebody like you before. I don't know if they've never met anybody like me, but not doing, what, doing what, what, what we do as a business. Yeah. So that's really quite interesting. And I think that if people have the nerve to get up and go out and meet people and show that I am a real person, this is what I do. There are practical aspects of how it may help you in terms of, because obviously you have a, a fit in terms of your business with lots of different areas. I mean, some, the natural fit instantly is, is always going to be solicitors for you, isn't it? Exactly that, yeah. yeah. yeah and, that. and who are the other type of people that use your kind of services? Well, solicitors are definitely the bulk of my work. Uh, solicitors will give me probably 70% of my work, um, whether it's process serving of legal documents or it's surveillance work or tracking tracing, that sort of thing, or just general investigation door knocking um but the general public you know you never know the general public may just want someone followed to see what they're up to um finding people as well finding people's a, a reason to think even even debtor tracing now the way the world's been the last three or four or five years and going um debtor tracing has become quite big even for the private landlords of course you know um they found me on the abi website so i'm a member of the association of british investigators um so and they find my name uh on there and they've called me which you know richard there's a tenant done a runner owing 15 grand please can you help us find him no problem and i'll, I'll do that so the general public yeah lots of that now um, and also hr departments um okay. hr people um they work it, it, more so the independent ones who are not tied to companies they work for a number of different companies ah so they go in and they they, they they do work for these companies and then they hear, oh, this guy's been off sick on full pay for quite a while. And Let's maybe, check we should, maybe, him maybe we should check this guy out. He, you know, he slipped over at work. He's got a bad back. He can't really, he's quite immobile now. And then they'll say, just, just, we should check him out. This is where he lives. This is the details we got. Um, and he's playing football on a Sunday. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you're not really telling the truth, though, are you? So, yeah, so that goes back. And then, it, you know, it can save companies a lot of money um, in the long term. Right, you know, it's a, it's a short-term pay uh, for for a long-term gain for the company. You know, that sort of thing. Investigating uh, people like that—that's interesting because for for me, in our business at PRMS, when we have to say to people, "Oh, we're going, we need to find somebody," they think that just because you're involved in late payment um, management or debt recovery, that you're going to be in a position where you know where all these people are. There's a place or there's a room where all the debtor people hang out, <laughs> and that you just go there and you just find them, and they don't seem to understand that when people want to disappear, they can really want to disappear. Absolutely, yeah. In some <laughs> cases I've done as well, you know, you, you get the background in the case. Again, there's a lot of cases that I've done recently which people have done runners from rent arrears. Big, big, it's a big thing now. Um, they, it's too easy for them just to walk away and hide. Just like you said there, they disappear. And you, you look at the whole case and then you see them, they've stopped, stopped their social media posts like a year ago. Um, they've stopped this, stopped that. You can see a whole history of, oh, I'm yes. hiding, I'm hiding, or I'm trying to hide. But then this is where Richard Thomas comes in from Thomas York. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a bit of, bit of good beating the street legwork uh, with database uh, and social media searches. Um, I've, I've actually got access to databases which the public haven't got access to. So I might be able to get more information that way. It's like a spider's web. You put it all together. It's like a puzzle. We put it all together and you think, wow, I've got the picture here. And then, you know. I think it's fascinating. And why I say that is because 
when I say to prospective clients, well, this is you, you're going to have to pay to get this information. A lot of people don't understand that there is a short term pain. But the fact is, if you're dealing in significant figures and significant numbers, if somebody owes you 20, 30, 40 grand, then investing in a private investigator in order to find that person, it's, it's got to be worth the money. Absolutely. So it's a no-brainer for some people because, you know, that's a, it can be a lot of money owed to people and for a, uh, that small lump initially to get that long-term gain like we were talking about, it's just well worth it. Or you just walk away and and think for the rest of your life, I wish I'd done something about that while I had a chance. And you have got an opportunity because there is, like myself, me is in this world, that do this sort of work and of, help people um, of course, get that, that money back. You of know? course. And I think that to a certain extent... When you're trying to assist people, obviously people are coming to you very much like they're coming to us in quite a distressed state. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose if you're a landlord, you've got this property, you've got it on this buy-to-let mortgage. And let's just assume that you're not on one of these direct line Harvey Keitel advert um, where they, um, it's all cool because um, uh, direct line are going to pay your um, your mortgage while your your debtor tries to skip merrily into the sunset. most people that's not the reality the reality of it exactly. is every time that the debtor doesn't pay or the or the tenant doesn't pay then obviously there's a major major problem exactly yeah yeah i mean people can be on the verge of losing that property you of know, course even on these buy-to-let mortgages um they have yeah i mean if they don't act and do something about it quickly you know yeah they could they could they they, they, they could be in a situation where, where they lose everything of course uh, and, and i've seen it i've yeah. seen it where they don't want to pay out initially where you know that short-term pain again which we were talking about is a long-term gain it that's it's a good saying and it happens time and time again of course and i think that the whole point is i think when people invest in a property and i've had this discussion with people it's that you need a team of people around you. And if you are a landlord and you're going to make being a landlord your career, because there are a lot of people that are part-time landlords and that's no disrespect to them, but they don't build a team around them. Correct. And, yeah. you know, part of the team, part of your team, you've got to, you apart from having the plumber and the carpenter and the electrician yeah. and the boiler mender or whatever, you need your legal team. You need your team exactly, that, yeah, yeah. That, that draws up your uh, section 21, section eight, whatever the case, yeah. Yeah. those are a housing um, uh, type documents for those wanting to know what those yeah, sections yeah. are. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're another support service. Absolutely, you know, from like yourself, what you do, you do a lot of work in that debt departments and 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 getting money back and 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 private investigators. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 extra, that extra service which um, it always should be on the back burner. You oh, know, yes. we are there to help. You oh, know, yeah. at the end of the day, we we do this for a living. We 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 do it a lot. We do it good. Well, I so, think that's <laughs> what people need to understand because. Sometimes, as I said, you can, you know if you've got a, a leak in your toilet, the fact is you can go ahead and fix it. But when you make yep. it worse and it floods the whole house, then there's no benefit <laughs> to you. It, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you're well in advanced in your career at Thomas York. Um, uh, how long have you actually been Thomas York Investigations now? Okay, well, it's been limited. Uh, I did start off initially uh, on a self-employed basis, mm. and it was with the accountant's advice. That yeah, it's you've yeah, got to yeah. go limited. <laughs> Protect yourself, yeah, you know, exactly. then they can't go after you as a person, etc. Good move. So, yeah, I've only actually been limited for over two years now. Okay, excellent. Um, so, but the thing is, you've been in your career for a considerable period of time in terms of investigations yes, yeah. and close protection, etc. 
What is one of the things that you wish that you'd known when you began your career? The time that I effectively given to the career where, you know, you see, you see, uh, you can take an extreme there. You can look at the likes of maybe Richard Branson, et cetera, where everyone else runs everything for them. They sit back and do what they want. <laughs> That's everyone's dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, he's mastered that on his yeah, island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, Nicker. And, you know, you want to do that, but it's a time factor that when you start a business, that's the biggest factor i just i don't know how would have done it differently but it's a time that i put into that career and that my path you know working 16 hours a day sometimes 18 hours a day staying away from home a lot that sort of thing and i don't know how would have changed it but yeah that was a big factor that was a big factor if i could have changed it in, uh, in any sort of way shape or form i would probably do that going forward as my business expands i will slowly get take a, a little step back not too much of a step back yet like i said i'm too young too young <laughs> i like this excitement you know yeah. i like beating the street and i like um well, yeah but once like, you've got that in your but, blood and you're used to doing it it's not something that you can just give up easily you know no, the, the no. fact is is that you always want to have your hand in because that's what you do yeah, yeah and exactly. i don't think people should change it if you love what you it's when you if you don't enjoy paperwork then find somebody to do paperwork yeah, yeah. i know that a lot of people there's there's this argument in business and the argument is is that you know if you know that you like editing podcasts for example mm-hmm. and you you enjoy that but the fact is you're the what you would charge out as an individual working on your particular case is a more than you would do the podcast. What you're doing is effectively you're creating a situation for yourself that you are doing work for which you're way overqualified and overpaid for, as opposed to giving that work to somebody else who's that's yeah. their specific niche. Yes, exactly. And they, yeah. they, they would be happy to do that because that's what they do. I mean, you may love doing it, but it's not the most cost effective thing. For you no, exactly do. that. As my business expands, I will, through networking, I've met a lot of good people and I will class some of them as a potential support service for me. So uh, like the VAs, virtual assistants and things that, that can do the admin bits. And yes. um, so I've already earmarked um, some people that will, or I could outsource some, some work to um as my business expands um so again I've, yeah i'm looking into that and um i have got a sort of path for that you know do you think that the idea of maybe letting go is what scares people i mean in terms of what you do you always get the impression and obviously this is always hollywood inspired so we've got to take it with a pinch of salt of the, you know <laughs> the, the sort of the hard drinking you know living on their own and sort of the you know, moldy cheese in the fridge you know uh, i'm a sort of private detective investigator and that kind of very solitary very focused lifestyle just living for the next case do you think that sort of determines the direction that people involved in your type of work do do people actually live like that it's that not letting go thing it's that again i'll go back to that chasing excitement for me personally it's that chasing excitement i do my job really well i know i do it well there's different ways you can know two days are the same and also for example let me take process serving legal documents serving that same document on different people every person is different it will go a different way you have to be clever enough or experienced enough or both um to adapt to the situation quickly and and be able to get the job done get the end goal you know the end goal is serving etc yes now i've seen a lot of people in the industry who who fall short of that now i i don't want to let it i certainly don't want to let it go at the minute i just 
you know, thinking to the future is quite, I don't want to think too far into the future oh, just now, not. because yeah. that's, that's the thing, you know, I am where I am now. That's it. I'm expanding a nice steady pace. It's going in the right direction. Um, I kind of think I will cross that bridge when I come to it, when the time comes, but at the minute, <laughs> um, just it's that excitement. I, I I absolutely love loving what I do, and that's the yeah, that's do, what you I, do. I know I do it well. You know the feedback I get and the way I do it, and you know and the way I handle things. I, th- so. I think I think process serving, and I think for people that don't know what process serving is, it's usually when somebody like Richard basically is giving a set of papers. Usually they are usually legally based. And they have uh, usually some sort of court writing or documentation on it, meaning that it should be handed over in a specific place or specific time and in a specific fashion. You usually see that again, and I go back to American movies, and I know it's not exactly the same, but they make a real meal of it, where they basically find the person that goes, hey, are you Joe Bloggs? You're served. And boom. And obviously, at the end of the day, that person then usually kicks off for dramatic effect. I mean, one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Richard, was that basically about managing people. Exactly. Because the difficulty is, is that when you're dealing with those situations, everybody reacts differently. Some people burst into floods of tears. Some people are aggressive. Some people go silent. Some people say, what do I do? You know, it varies from person to person. Yeah, nobody wants what I've got in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not a good thing. You know, you go in there with bad news or whatever, and and you've got to adapt really quickly, really quickly. Um, You know, I always play it down. I always play it down. I play it clever. Um, I don't go in with the looking like a bailiff and, yeah. you know, with the Just vest and everything on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and sort of sticking my chest out and that sort of thing and, and saying you're served, you're so-and-so. You know, that's not the way I do it at all. I'm a people person. I know how to deal with people. I can go in there cleverly. I can get them to identify themselves Sometimes without even asking the question, I'll get them secondary to to accept them papers, hopefully by hand. That's that's the aim of the game. Um, and it's the way I do it. Again, it's that people person thing. You can adapt a situation, have a have a reason for being there in the fact that it does not, it's not always I'm here to serve you. You know, you, sometimes you might have another alternative reason. But it's just the way I do it. It's just the, the way the way it's done. And a lot of people don't do it very well out there. And, <laughs> and you think, and I heard a lot of stories of my colleagues that have been in fights and have been set up on things. Well, what did you do to uh, do that? Well, I went in like this, you know, and I, well, aggression breeds aggression. Of course it does. And I've, I think I've, I've even had a woman <laughs> screaming and shouting at me at the door and I spoke softer and softer and softer. And her voice just went down with mine. And she just calmed down. Yeah, of course, because it's almost like taming a dog. (laughs) The fact is, the the reality of it is, is that people sometimes are looking for confrontation. Um, I've had that problem when sometimes we've had a particular case and you want to speak to somebody about something. Because there there is this pervasive myth that I get asked, and I'm going to ask you the same question: is that the is that what I do is inherently violent, and you know asking for money or asking for payment of an invoice or or an outstanding debt is something that needs aggression, which it doesn't. You either owe the money or you don't owe the money. You think there's a reason why you should or there's a reason why you think you shouldn't. The reality of my job is to facilitate that payment. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is when you speak to people, and especially when you ring up and say, hi, we've got a bit of a problem here, and they think, oh, you sound nice. 
Are you sure you're the right guy? Are you <laughs> yeah, sure you're, yeah. you're from the wrong place? Because yeah, exactly. but there's no need for it. There's no need for that level of aggression. Exactly. Because the whole point, as you say, you are the person that are handing over the papers. It's not good news, but it's probably not something that the person didn't expect in the first place. Exactly. They just yeah. didn't know when it was coming. Yeah, that as well. Some of them are expecting it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've, I've been warned. Um, I did. I did one job um, where I. It was an ALSBO antisocial behaviour order. Oh yes. So yeah. potentially quite dangerous. Oh, yeah. uh, they've been causing problems in the neighbourhood and with neighbours. So it was all like you know, be careful. This guy's gonna go for you. It was all like this, and this guy turned out to be the nicest guy, one of the nicest guys I'd met. And it's the way I did it. It's uh, the way I did it. And, you know, you try and give him a little bit of advice. I'm not a solicitor, so I can't legally give advice, but just try to point him in the right direction. You know, maybe if you do this, if you do that, maybe give, give him a call, you know, have a chat with him. It's just a way you come across and do it. And it just it just can change a potentially real aggressive situation to uh, just a calm situation where everyone gets the job done. I'm not going to say everyone's happy because it's not... Of course it's not, not, not going to be happy. But. It's not going to be happy, but... The- <laughs> but I'm high, walk away happy. There's uh, been no aggression. There's no blood spilt. I've done a job and that's the end goal. It's um, That's my priority is getting that job done. Exactly. Well, at this point, it's time for us to get the job done and it's time to hear a word from our sponsors. So we'll be back with you on the other side, uh, along with Richard, who will be telling us a little bit more about himself and telling us a bit more about bodyguarding, close protection work and process serving. See you after the break. Bad debtors can rob you of your time and money. They can destroy your whole business within weeks. Archaic debt collection agencies and expensive legal fees will drain your cash flow. But in one day, the PRMS Business Debt Prevention Course will teach you how to create late payment management procedures, invoice for immediate settlement, and eradicate existing debt. You'll study real-life examples to drag your business out of the red. Visit www.prmsltd.co.uk or call 0203-865-7138 to register now before bad debtors make your business another failed statistic. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cashflow Show with our guest, Mr. Richard Thomas of Thomas York Investigations. Now, before the break, um, Richard was telling us a lot about his situations in relation to process serving, etc., and um, close protection work. One of the things that I wanted to ask Richard, was about surveillance. Now, we've all seen these movies, and and I know I keep referring to movies, but bear with me, because that's my only manual for this kind of thing. And the idea of the guy who's on a stakeout. Now, I've, I've, I've had to serve documents, and when I've had to serve documents, I don't drive. And I know that's, that's going to be a revelation to some people, but I, I don't. So the person who's driving always insists that I provide donuts and coffee. <laughs> that's, like, that's like the movies. That's like the movies. Just yeah. like the movie. And I'm thinking, oh my God. So I have to go down to Sainsbury's and get donuts because they refuse to, <laughs> to drive me otherwise. So I'm sitting there with a pack of donuts and a flask of coffee because I'm sitting outside there getting ready to serve somebody. I'm sure I'm doing it completely the wrong way because I'm like a tub of lard by the time I've finished eating all the donuts. <laughs> Tell me what really happens on these surveillance things. Right, a steakhouse. Yeah. Yeah, stakeout. People say, do you stake people out? Yeah. <laughs> think, think of the uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy yeah. movies, yeah? You know, the guys on a stakeout. It's kind of what happens, you know. 
you know, you, you, you have your water and food in the car, you have all your equipment, technical equipment, your cameras, your video cameras, uh, all the stuff you need, spare batteries, everything, and you pretty much can be there for the day. Now, if you're in a team or by yourself, you know, it depends on, you know, you don't want to be drinking too much liquid. If you, if you, <laughs> that, that's, the because, question, that's the question I wanted well, to I'll, ask. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, um, <laughs> there's always an empty bottle in the car. Okay, let's put this. I thought, I thought it <laughs> That's reality, be. it's reality. You know, but, I'm being but, honest. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose, if, and, and this is a, a diversion before we go back onto surveillance. If you're a lady investigator, are you in this? Oh, I don't even want to ask the question. But anyway, I'm sure that it must present itself with a certain amount of issues. But anyway, as I said, any lady investigators, I suppose that will be the next follow up podcast at some point in the yeah. future. I don't think it's as easy for a yeah, female. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I would. I think it would be slightly difficult. But, I, I um, think so as well. I think there they yes. would, would have to be in a team or something. Yes. They would have to disappear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And hopefully, nothing. No, not too much action happens. Exactly. While away <laughs> so you've got must have plenty of stories i've got loads of stories about late payment situations and debt recovery situations and i'm sure that you must have many stories about absolutely surveillance any you can relate offhand that's not going to get you into trouble or compromise yeah there here. was um i mean again it's one of these debtor tracing i managed to after a week's investigation get us um a work location for this person. The goal was to put surveillance on her to find where her home address was. Um, that was the end goal. Find out where she lived. She disappeared owing money. Yeah, it was a great case in, uh, I won't mention two places as such, but of course. C- central London, it's not always the subject or the target is the issue of seeing you or, or, or you getting seen out. I'm sat there um, and you, you, you're on the street and you're seeing people's routines and you're seeing the same people come off the public transport, walk up the street, uh, etc. And you see a little old lady come down from the flat, walking a dog, it's say six every night. You can always <laughs> set your watch by it. Oh, six o'clock is it? She's come out the door. Yeah, oh yeah, six o'clock. And she goes around the block and you sort of see her in your mirrors and she walks back in there. So the, sec- uh, the third day, um, I was on this surveillance operation. I saw her do the same thing, coming round. She walks around the side and taps on my window. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and she said, hello, dear. I noticed you've been here quite a while. Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. I just wanted to cuddle her like my grandmother, you know, and just, just embrace her. But, um, and I had my reasons for being there, so I was okay, you know, you know. Again, you've got to have a reason for being anywhere doing surveillance. Otherwise, you could get the police called on you and it's going to blow your whole cover as such. Um, so that was a, a bit of a comical thing. You've got, you got to look out for the third-party awareness. It's a big, big thing, um, especially on neighbourhood watch areas <laughs> and streets oh, as well. <laughs> exactly. I can <laughs> imagine a, you. Yeah. So I, I assume that in the, every film noir, there's always some um, a private detective who's following somebody's husband or following somebody's wife or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I take it at the end of the day that's something that you may occasionally get dragged into. Absolutely. It can be messy though. <laughs> yeah, it does get messy. It, it can be messy yeah. and it's um it's something which I I'm not a lover of, you know. I I, I love uh, <laughs> um any anything but really. Um it can, it can be messy because it what what happens the problem is when you're giving the person who's hired you the end result, they're not going to like probably no. what you found. No. no. And it's going to blow their world apart. Mm. And I've even not been paid once. You instructed me and asked me. Yeah. 
to do what to do that job to surveil of to course. get information intelligence whether it be photographic evidence video footage of um that happening um and then they're look what you've done and blaming me for it like like it, i instigated the whole thing so it's 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 a tricky situation much money issues are, are tricky and it's, it can be messy so uh, i've changed my tact on that and uh, with, with the financials and <laughs> I, 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 um, I'll, I'll sort of uh, get a deposit up front now which i never normally do for a case but um on, on much money cases i do now <laughs> for that well, simple reason well that's one of the questions that we do ask we don't ask it very often because i when we started this show i didn't want it even though it's called the cash flow show i didn't want to turn it into a show just purely about money and debt and business and stuff like that but you know one of the questions that comes up every so often is how important is cash flow to your business and i suppose in matrimonial it's very important, yeah. <laughs> in matrimonial wishes it's bloody well important absolutely absolutely yeah 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 but a woman screaming down the phone at me saying look what you've done um we've got to sell a house and this and the other now i'm gonna lose this and lose that and well it's not my fault you asked me to do a job i did it exactly i did it well too well be careful of what you wish for because you just might get it i mean the thing is for me what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours now then i get asked this quite a bit i get I get young, especially the younger people reaching out to me. And I actually enjoy helping people. I said before, I'm a people person. I love the networking thing. And I I help people as much as I can. I get emails from local people. They see me, my website, or they'll see me off the ABI website again, Association of British Investigators website. And they'll send me an email. And I've met up with three people now and just give them some general advice. Firstly, I will vet them to see um, their motives and to see if they're really interested in going down that route, whether it's worth my time. Secondary, I will point me in the right direction. Now, the advice I give to the listeners is get a qualification of some sort behind you or something to do with either criminology is a, is, a, is a good sort of basis. If you want to sort of start the academic route, start off, uh, if you can get into a PI company, you start off doing admin normally. They're not, you're not going to normally step right up to the top <laughs> rung, right, go and do that surveillance mission and, and off you pop. It just doesn't work like that. It's a... Uh, yeah, not quite like the movies that way. You need to start <laughs> off at the bottom and work your way up like anything. But I mean, yeah, have something behind you and have a path of continuous professional development. I'm a strong believer in that. I do that myself all the time and I will continue to do that um, through um, my own training courses that I'm developing as well. Tell us more about those training um, courses. Yeah, um, again, I'm such a people person and it's through these people reaching out to me, which I've wanted to help and I have helped. I've put them on a bit of a path. I've given them advice and I will be here to this day to give them advice or I'll be at the end of a phone. Now, I thought, I spoke with a, another colleague of mine who's uh, in, in a private investigation network that we're, we're, we're both members of. He does like an online course which gives just a general overview of the industry. Okay. So what I've been doing is putting people onto him saying, look, just do this online course to get a good overview of the industry to see if it's what you want to continue with and it's rea- the reality of it. I will then show you some practical courses and, and, and do the practicality and show you what actually beating the street in the real world's all about with surveillance and process serving. So um, I've recently just qualified as a teacher. Uh, I've got a teaching qualification. Excellent. Uh, which is a level three recognised qualification. Um, so I can, um, there's not many people out there that are SAA licensed, so that's Security Industry Authority uh, licensed, close protection operative, um, as well as a private investigator, which is a member of the Association of British Investigators and also qualified to teach. I did a test before actually pursuing all this and I phoned up a lot of trainers who did courses and I said, oh, are you, are 
are you a member of the uh, ABI for your training surveillance? No, I don't need to be. Oh, really? Okay. Are you a qualified teacher? No. I've got 25 years experience. Why would I need that? So I sort of see a little niche here. Um, so with a teacher qualification, with um, being a member of the ABI and having my SA license, it's a combination of things here. Plus I've also had specialist surveillance training myself and private investigation training. I've got a whole thing there. So it's quite a unique package that of I course. can offer. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to... I'm in the midst of writing my own courses as well, but I do now offer practical courses in process serving and also surveillance. Excellent. Based on experience and my qualifications there. So what is the one common myth about your profession that you want to debunk? The, the one thing that everybody thinks that people in your industry do, but you know it's just a complete fantasy. I mean, my one is very simple. They think that you beat everybody up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, so. Well, again, you, you can look back to the Tom Selleck, Magnum PI thing. We don't fly in helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream in Hawaii, yeah? You know, to be a PR, yeah, go to Hawaii, live on a beautiful island in the sun all year and, and, and fly in helicopters, yeah, great. But that's not reality. A lot of people think, you know, do you wear a Mac and wear a hat? You know, like the old carry-on films where is it, and you, you hide behind a newspaper and watch people. I'm like... No, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's as I said, it's amazing what media and television and movies can really do to create a perception of something that is completely yeah. fake. Yeah. And you knew that if you dressed like that, you'd stick out like a sore yeah. thumb in yeah. any event. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, all of this is giving our listeners a great overview of the work that you do and the extent of the work you do it's not just one particular package or one particular channel or one particular avenue that you go down with your work it's it's multidisciplined really yes yes yeah um so the thing is if people are listening to this they're thinking to themselves i can deal with those services he seems like quite a nice chap you know where can people contact you where can they connect with you Okay, well, um, I've got a website, obviously, for my business. Um, as if you, you could just tell us what the website name is. And yeah, it's uh, Thomas York. So it's a, all the W's dot Thomas York, and York is with an E on the end, um, dot co dot UK. Find me on there. Um, um, I'm on the ABI website, um, Association of British Investigators. You can find me on there. Um, and I have offices, uh, the, the main office is in Thraymore Park, um, Bishop Stortford, Stansted area, uh, on the Hertfordshire Essex borders. Um, and I can be contacted, uh, to, like I said, the website will give all my contact details in numerous different ways. I'm on LinkedIn, social media. So yeah, the landline for the office is 01279 Brilliant. I mean, those are great opportunities for people to get in contact with. Exactly. It's also for business, for me, and for helping people. But also if people are listening to this, the listeners out there think, yeah, I'm interested or I've got my daughter or my son or someone is interested in pursuing this career. Please give me a call, contact me. I'll be more than happy to um, sit down and point people in the right direction um, and go through my training courses that I can offer them. Yes, I'm here to help in, in every way. 
Excellent. Really appreciate that. So, Mr. Richard Thomas of Thomas York Investigations, thank you very much for joining us here on the Cashflow Show and taking the time and the opportunity to spend with us. We appreciate it. That's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're most welcome. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Cashflow Show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today and would like to hear more, then please subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and you will be notified when new episodes are released. If you wish to like, comment, leave a message, which you can do so if you are listening to this on Anchor, or follow us on social media, please do so as we would love to hear from you. So until the next time, take care from everyone at the Cashflow Show. Goodbye.